This is a Giving Thought podcast from the Charities Aid Foundation's think tank, Giving Thought. You're listening to Giving Thought Podcast. This is the podcast from CAF's think tank, Giving Thought, in which we look at big issues and themes relating to philanthropy and civil society. I'm your host, as ever, Rod Davis, and this is the bonus DVD extra episode to go along with the sixth episode in which I talk to Louise Pulsford, Josiane Smith and Dame Julia Unwin. And this is the much shorter episode in which Louise asks me some questions. So um, without further ado, please check it out. It's only about 15, 20 minutes long. It's basically me giving some thoughts on some of the interesting topics that we discussed. So if that's the kind of thing that floats your boat, go for it. Uh, I'll be back at the end with the usual bit of housekeeping and tidying up. Yeah, so um, so this is the part where we uh, we take over your podcast and we flip it around and we interview you. Said at the beginning that Six likes to inspire and challenge by doing things differently. And so... Uh, uh, another another piece of our work is is called our, our a wayfinder event, which is um, a six month um, project uh, where we've used music as our inspiration. And the purpose of this project is to say is, is to look more into the future and 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 we want to understand where the global field of social innovation is going next, but not by deciding that ourselves. Uh, but by listening to other people and understanding from them what's important to them. And then we will design activities around that. Um, So we ask some questions to many of the people that we speak to because we really want to kind of tune in and uh, understand where the mood is. And so we thought we would take this opportunity to ask you some questions as well, Roger, because you have an incredible uh, knowledge from all the amazing people that you talk to. So the first one is, um, you know, and, and you think about the philanthropic sector that, of course, that we've just been talking about. But the first question I would love to ask you is what's moving you at the moment? What are you seeing around that's inspiring you? Um, I mean, certainly in terms of the work that that I do, uh, you know, in the sector and to be honest, you know, the line between work and everything else in my life as it is for many people seems increasingly blurred, uh, given, you know, that we're all kind of within the same four walls the whole time. Um, but I guess, I'll, you know, I'll start with the reasons for for optimism. Um, I mean, the the sector, the sort of civil society as a whole, a constant ability to adapt in the face of new challenges is genuinely inspiring. I mean, I was lucky alongside my normal day job within CAF to be part of a kind of emergency grant making panel to distribute some money that, that we put out sort of five million pound uh, emergency response fund earlier in the summer uh, and that was incredible for me because I was you know having kind of a, an even more hands-on interaction with lots of very small organizations and sort of learning about the challenge they were facing but also the way in which they were just kind of generally rolling up their sleeves and and getting on with things and actually not really being particularly self-pitying just kind of their their focus all the time was on the people and communities that they were serving and making sure that they weren't suffering unduly as as a result of the pandemic and that's you know kind of 
you sort of know it's the case, but actually being reminded of it on a on a human level, I, I found really inspiring. I mean, I guess more broadly, you know, conversations like this, I've been very lucky to have the the podcast for me as a lifeline during this whole period of lockdown to be able to speak to interesting people. And and more broadly, kind of taking part in in events during this period and and sort of before this all kicked off, it I I've been encouraged by the extent to which conversations that you know some of us have been involved with for quite a while but felt frustratingly niche have all of a sudden it feels blossomed out into the at least the mainstream of kind of the world of philanthropy and civil society if not yet quite the mainstream of of kind of debate more broadly. But the themes that are coming through in that feel to me like the right ones to be discussing and many of the ones we discussed today. So it's you know about you know what power looks like in, in kind of philanthropic relationships and how we institutionalize that, how that relates to, to kind of how we give people participation in, in how money is distributed and how decisions are made, what the role of platforms are within the kind of the wider context of, of philanthropy, whether that is concerns about our reliance on commercial platforms which is something i'm quite interested in at the moment you know the fact that the increasing digitization of civil society that's been accelerated very greatly by this the short-term needs of the pandemic has led to a lot of organizations i think rushing to use digital tools without really understanding what the fundamental nature of them is and what some of the trade-offs that they're making in terms of control over data and and kind of how they're seeding power about um, about how decisions are made, about how those platforms are used and the choices people are presented with. And, and I think that is, you know, a, a conversation that we need to be having a lot more as a sector. But that also sort of takes me on to, to one of the other things, I think, which is that enforced digitization we've seen, I, I hope, and I so I think I'm starting to see this, has opened the eyes of lots of organisations across civil society to the fact that Tech, tech issues or so-called tech issues are not something that just happens over there to other people or to other organizations they are increasingly conversations and issues that we all organizations need to take into account um, whether it's to understand how they affect you as an organization and the opportunities and challenges you face in terms of how you operate or how they affect the people and communities that you're trying to serve as a funder or as a civil society organization because they are fundamentally changing a lot of the challenges that people face and their needs and priorities and, and how they live their lives. And if we don't understand those changes and adapt to them, my concern is that a lot of organizations might turn around in five to 10 years and find themselves, you know, increasingly irrelevant. And, and that would be, you know, the, the opportunity cost of that would be absolutely enormous. And so I think the, the increasing awareness and recognition of those issues, even where they are quite negative issues, and you know about the negative unintended consequences of tech is a huge positive for me um and I, I think alongside that one of the things that seems central to your work and i think you know absolutely great and i would love to see more of it is a recognition of the value of of foresight and thinking about the future within civil society the practicalities of what it takes to make that happen and then the bit that i would really love to see on top of that which is a recognition from wider government and industry and society of the unique value of civil society organizations to inform wider conversations because they can bring the voices of people who quite often don't get to come to those tables to the table and inform it which you know around some of the conversations i've been involved with around sort of tech development those voices are far too often missing and civil society organizations have been shut out of uh, of the relevant room so i think there's positive change on all those fronts and thank you for that. 
you've already started to uh, uh, give a little bit of an insight of, of what's concerning you with the shadow side of tech and the hidden voices, but are there other things that, that concern you about this moment? Um, yeah, absolutely. I think there's a few, I mean, one very practical thing, I think going to something that we've, you know, been talking about a lot in terms of uh, the immediate the sort of balance between response and rebuilding in the longer term is just that the, you know, the severity of the challenges facing a lot of organisations in, you know, the charity sector in the UK and civil society more broadly, makes me concerned that and unless more is done to ensure that they are able to survive into that medium to longer term, they just won't be around to be part of any process of rebuilding. So I think there is still a lot more to be done to, to support organisations because, you know, Julia referenced earlier the news we'd heard yesterday from Macmillan about having to lose large numbers of staff. And we've heard similar things from many other types of organisations. And I think, you know, we'll see more of that. Some good organisations will probably unfortunately have to shut their doors. I think there will be many more examples of, of people having to take radical action through things like merger and consolidation. And, you know, that, that process has probably not even really started yet. We're coming to the end of the furlough scheme here in the UK, I think almost today. And, you know, as, as we will see today, I think what comes next after that, but that's going to have a huge impact on the sector. Um, I, I guess one other thing that in terms of, you know, it sort of concerns me more broadly in society and, and I guess feeds into the sector, and I don't know where I sit on it because the, the pandemic seems to be you know, going in waves. It felt as though we were coming down a slope and now we're slightly going back up one as, as restrictions get tighter going into the winter. I think in those early stages, as a lot of people did, I had a real sense of this is terrible, but it's, it's going to change things fundamentally. And there's a real opportunity to, to do things differently and build back better. And you know, those days when the, the, you know, there weren't any planes in the sky and you were walking down the road because there was no traffic and you sort of thought, wow, we really can actually do things quite significantly differently and then over time there was a sort of drip 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 of returning to normality as things were before and I started to get a bit despondent about uh, are we just going to default to to everything we understood and knew before and that would sort of slightly depress me I'm not so sure anymore because actually you know I think we're kind of acknowledging that some of this impact is much more medium to longer term but I still don't think that the positive change will happen without lots of us being much more intentional about it. Because I just, you know, I think the lesson we've learned is that you can't assume that that's going to happen. Um, so I'm, I'm sort of, you know, broadly kind of neutral on that one at the moment. Um, I guess the the other thing that um, I, I suppose concerns me is around the, we've talked a bit about the, the question of the relationship between government and civil society. At the moment, I'm I'm not hugely enthused by the the kind of clarity of narratives in the UK and elsewhere about what they see as the value of civil society and where they see its role and what they see as the role of philanthropy. And this is you know something that has frustrated me for a long time, probably because I spend spend all of my waking hours thinking about it. But I, I think there was already a danger that there was quite a kind of instrumentalist view of these things. It's like, you know, civil society and charities have value because they can take the burden off the state to provide welfare. Philanthropy is useful because it can stop us having to pay for things. And some of that I feel has been exacerbated by the crisis because, you know, naturally they've looked to all possible avenues for dealing with the immediate short-term needs um, presented by the pandemic. And I think where there has been attention on the role of civil society 
so much of it has been about the frontline response to the pandemic and has been very instrumental and hasn't really taken into account all of that broader value that to me is what's really fundamental about the role civil society plays in pushing social change through advocacy or giving people agency and building connections at a community level and and I'd really like to see more of that come out in in a sort of clear way from from governments to show that they kind of get the value of, of all of this stuff. So my two final questions are and I'll ask them together and you you choose to ask answer how you will um but what feels possible now that didn't feel possible before and also what must we be doing now that we haven't done before so what's feeling possible but what what must we do with that too yeah I'm I I think on the what feels possible I I posed this question to me I was thinking it through and I was struggling a little bit with with whether genuinely anything had sort of fundamentally changed I think I kind of I think I've thought of of a few things and some of which are good and some of which are possibly not so good um I think you know one I've already mentioned I think is possible I feel like it would be possible to engage a much broader cross-section of civil society on issues around technology that affect all of our lives and I think that's really encouraging because I've spent a lot of time in rooms trying to convince people (laughs) that these issues are important and getting some quite sort of polite blank looks Uh, so I'd hope that would be different. Um, I think also you know the sort of work that that organisations like SIX are doing shows that there it is possible within the philanthropy world now to have quite difficult conversations about being quite self-critical about the role that philanthropy plays and the sort of power structures it represents and about things like the relationship between how wealth is created and the legitimacy of giving it away um, and kind of what we need to take into account in terms of contextualizing philanthropy. Um, I guess the other positive thing is that I think we've we've seen a lot of collaboration and better coordination over the short term as part of the response and that feels like something we could build upon, even if it will take intentionality. I guess the 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 bad side to me is, I mean, there's a there's one which is there was already a kind of challenging narrative developing around philanthropy and its role. Um, some of which, or probably a lot of which, was valid criticism. I think the world of philanthropy would do well to engage with. I think there is a danger that a kind of malignant version of that narrative develops. And we've seen this already in terms of, you know, Julia referenced the whole thing around conspiracy theories and philanthropy is very prominent in a lot of those conspiracy theories. And I think what that could do to eroding people's trust in in these sorts of institutions is, is a cause for concern. Um, and I guess the, the other thing is just a general sense that I feel lucky now to have broadly grown up in a time when we always felt that things were going to get better one way or another, even if it was, you know, take a sort of slight sideways turn. I'm not sure that feels like the truth anymore. And I think, you know, the sort of hard realisation that actually it's maybe more cyclical and we might be going into a period where things are going to get objectively worse, or certainly from from my viewpoint, is it's quite hard to cope with. Uh, And I think, you know, makes the sort of challenges that philanthropy and civil society face seem daunting sometimes although you know hopefully there's enough cause for optimism we can all get on with it I guess in terms of what we should be doing now that we haven't done before um you know we've talked about a lot of this already today so I won't I won't sort of linger on it but I think you know how we think about resilience in light of the the probability that there are going to be future crises um and that you know this wasn't unfortunately was not a once in a lifetime uh challenge is really important and I think there is a real opportunity to kind of 
reshape thinking on that. Um, I think in terms of funding practices, we've said we've seen a lot of good practice or what looks like good practice in response to the pandemic. And there's a real opportunity to be intentional about highlighting that and building it into the sort of standard operating procedure of lots of other organisations that weren't already doing it. Um, I think there is you know, an opportunity, again, touching what we said, to make the case that some things like the climate and racial justice are not not causes they shouldn't be seen as something that only a part of the sector has to care about they are cross-cutting and we all need to to think about them um and i think the the other thing which you know was already something that's happening and something i'm really interested in is how how we kind of how power is changing and the whole kind of you know new power idea that i do find interesting i think that relates to lots of things we talked about about the role of social movements but increasingly i think one of the things I'm really interested in is as we've all had to shift to different ways of working and kind of using digital tools, it feels as though that's opened the space for more collaboration between people within organisations. But it also, I get a sense it's kind of eroding the sense of organisational silos. And actually people are increasingly sort of thinking, well, in this kind of context, you know, I might have a particular logo on my business card, but actually if I work in networks with people, you know, actually they're as much my colleagues as the people that I would go to an office to see. And I wonder whether that will lead to sort of fundamental longer term shifts in people's sense of kind of organizational loyalty and how we think about uh, funding practices and sort of, you know, that whole kind of egos and logos problem. Um, and I think that could be hugely positive. I think actually we can find much more collaborative ways of doing things that don't rely on you know people's hierarchy within a particular institution they just rely on how well they're able to operate within this kind of networked model um and you know as somebody who kind of likes that way of working that to me seems hugely positive i like love that way of working uh too and uh i think that would be a really positive thing if uh more organizations could take that approach we we certainly try and take that within six and and the wider work that we do too Rodri thank you for your time today I think it's really nice that your listeners can hear a little bit of uh, your extremely rich perspectives on all of these things so maybe more people can ask you some questions too oh well thank well well it remains to be seen whether the listeners agree with you but it's been very nice to have the opportunity so thank you for for suggesting it and thanks again to all of you for for finding the time to to come on the podcast Okay, great. Well, my thanks to uh, me uh, for coming on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> if you're interested in the sorts of things I was talking to Louise about, do check out the links to the six project um, that I talked to them about. Check out the main episode, of course, so that this all makes more sense and you can hear other people give some uh, even better thoughts than mine. Um, if you're interested in the kinds of stuff I was talking about, do check out the Giving Thought pages at the CAF website. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Rodri underscore H underscore Davis or at Philiteracy if you want more on the kind of academic and historical side of things. Um, if you've got any ideas for people other than me that I could invite on the podcast to get interviewed, do drop me a line at givingthought at cafonline.org. Other than that, just like, subscribe, tell all your friends about it and leave us a nice review. Bye! Bye!